Philanthropy is all about giving to causes that matter to you the most, and by doing so, making a difference in the lives of others. But is this an activity that is reserved just for the super wealthy? Or is it possible for the average person to become a philanthropist? What cause tugs at your heart that you wish you could provide funding for? Is there a way, right now, to live your dream with purpose? These are the glaring questions this podcast will explore as we meet everyday people who are stepping up to begin living their philanthropic lifestyle. We'll hear about their cause, why it's important to them, as well as their vision for the future. So let's get inspired, motivated, and learn how we can step into the dream of living our best life with purpose. My name is Nancy Landa. Welcome to Cause Talk Radio. My guest on today's show is Michelle Fassini. Michelle holds an associate's degree in mortuary science. She's an entrepreneur, a certified life coach, and is licensed in both real estate and insurance. She's an avid animal lover and volunteers with animal rescue organizations where she assists with adoptions. She has, in fact, fed a federal, feral cat colony for 11 years. Michelle is a movie buff and enjoys reading, bowling, shooting, crafts, and painting. Welcome to the show, Michelle. Hi. Great to be here. What was life like for you growing up as a young child? Well, I was an only child, so I really hung out with adults more than anything. Watched a lot of card games, you know, adult nights. Um, really just uh, kind of did my own thing. Like I, I originally, I played teacher a lot in my room. You know, I'm kind of bossy. So <laughs> it's kind of like whenever I got a hold of somebody, they, uh, you know, they got the bossy treatment from me. But. <laughs> so who had the biggest influence on you as a kid and why? Um, definitely, I would say my parents, uh, my grandmother too, until, um, she died when I was 16, but I was very close with my maternal grandmother and my parents, um, you know, I had, uh, they were divorced when I was very young, like six years old. So, um, I would go with my dad on vacations and, um, but he always was there and always, we always spent really quality time together. Um, and my mom's always been a model anyway. So your parents are your were your biggest influence, aside from your maternal grandmother. Did they have a, a philosophy that you carry to with you to this day? I really don't know that they had one and I wish I I wish I had a work ethic a little bit more like my mom. She's uh, you know, in her seventies now, obviously, and she still tries to do things she did when she was 30, you know, physically mm-hmm. and can't. Um, I've never really, I don't know, I've never been ambitious to do like yard work and she just loves it. So I kind of, I wish I had more of that physical work ethic. I don't, yeah. but. Yeah. Now, when you were a teenager, what was your dream for your life? Well, my dream was that I wanted to be a singer, but that didn't work out. <laughs> Um, just didn't work out um but yeah then I wanted to be a teacher and and then I didn't go that route either um Mm -hmm. but when I was 16 and my grand you know was ill my mom read an article in the waiting room about mortuary science which is how that all came about well that's an interesting article to read at that time I never even had heard of it before, really. Um, but I took cosmetology in high school as a Botech, and uh, 
you could kind of tie that in to more for science, you know, right. in one aspect of it. And so it intrigued me. You know, so I went for it. Oh, okay. But you never worked in that industry. I did my residency, but I never, it's, it's hard to really actually get into it unless your parents are in it and, you know. Or you oh, really? Yeah. Huh. Okay. Well, tell me about the time when you discovered it began feeding a cat colony. That was actually really later in life. I mean, I've always had animals, always had animals in my family. Uh, but we had purchased a home in Texas in 2004. And um, the people that live there, they said, well, you know, I just want to let you know, we feed a couple cats out in the carport. We just leave a little food out there. Um, you don't have to, but, you know, and we started and little did we know. So, and that all happened. So. Don't ever feed cats. You don't want that to happen. <laughs> um, and it just grew and grew and grew. And I just couldn't keep up. Like what I would actually do is is go buy um, certificates to spay and neuter them. Right. So it's kind of like trap, neuter, and release or whatever. And it seemed like every cat that I ended up getting a hold of, because it was not easy to trap them, um, we get them fixed. We let them go. And they would get run over by a car. So it was like a kind of a, I, it was very defeating. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But you did that for 11 years. Mm -hmm. That's a long time. Yes. Do you have a specific story you can share about an animal rescue that made a big impression on you? Well, I would say that really um, there, there were a lot of times because I worked from home also since 2004, starting to be kind of my entrepreneur uh, scenario. And um, like, so I would always like, if I heard the mew mews, you know, the little sounds I would have to go rescue the cats because a lot of times the moms would obviously, you know, ignore one of their young or they would have give birth and then they would leave the area. So I, we found them in odd places. And so I, we would bring them in, feed them, uh, you know, with a bottle and all of that. And um, most of them we got adopted and then some we actually took in ourselves, you know, until right. you know, the house was. Kind of busy, so. <laughs> <laughs> Only so much you can do personally. Yeah. yeah, that's for sure. So what has been your greatest struggle in your life? Um, my greatest struggle, I mean, honestly, my biggest challenge has been my weight my whole life. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, I'm happy with who I am. I don't feel uncomfortable and I really wasn't made fun of in school or anything. I mean, I I'm not, I didn't let it bother me, but, uh, you know, there's a point that, you know, it got too far. And yeah. so I did like have surgery, um, uh, for it. And then I had to have repair surgery last year. So, yeah. Okay. So let's talk about your cause. Your cause is titled no pet left behind. Now when disasters hit, whether it be weather related or man created such as nine 11, as an avid animal lover and pet owner, what is it that tugs at your heart? Well, I mean, I I have been in situations because I had um, one dog in particular that had separation anxiety and she needed to be crated. I typically don't like crates, but I know that it's a reality and people have to use them for various things. And so with that, if, you know, they're in there too long and they have to go to the bathroom or something, um, you know, it, I just always worry about them being in there too long. Right. So. so when a disaster hits, 
that's what tugs at your heart is about those people's pets, the victim's pets, right? They're literally left there. I mean, right. you know, families have to worry about the kids and, you know, I mean, they're kind of worried more about the people side and I'm not saying they're not worried about the animals, but they can't always get to them. Right. Or right. if something happens to them in the disaster, um, there's no one often left, especially for single pet owners that uh, can go rescue them. Because not everybody knows everybody's pets and schedules and yeah, you know, I don't know if they're home or need help. Yeah. So how will your cause solve this problem? Well, uh, my cause will solve this problem because if people use it, of course, um, but it would be a mechanism so that they can actually uh, have sort of like a backup for themselves. Um, When my mom and I moved to California in 2015, you know, we had a house full of pets and, you know, whenever we would go shopping, you know, she'd be like, you want to go out shopping? And I was like, well, if we go together, we have to let my cousin know because if something happened, I was just always in fear of something happening to us. And it wasn't for our sake. It was for the animal's sake. Right. And um, so we used my cousin as a backup a lot, but I had to remember to call her. And then, you know, I mean, so that kind of gets a little cumbersome. So this would be more of an automated uh, backup system. So who would be notified? Whoever the person chooses. Okay. So let's say, uh, like, let's say, for example, Hurricane Katrina. Yeah. You know, kind of wiped out New Orleans. New Orleans was very heavily hit. Um, And the Mississippi Gulf Coast. So if the person that you have designated is also part of that disaster. Um. True. There would, would be, work? there would not be um, that particular scenario. There may not be a backup, um, but everyone may not be affected at the same time. Mm-hmm. Possibly. But it's mainly, I mean, it's not so much in the disaster, but if something actually happened to you. Now, obviously, if something literally, and I mean, happened, like, let's say you die or become incapacitated and can't let someone know that I can't get home, you know. Right. Um. So let's say Katrina happened and your backup, uh, you know, was still going through some stuff, but they could let somebody know if they couldn't get there. Right. So they could still be your backup. And in the scenario of the notifications, uh, you can have more than one backup as well. Oh, okay. So it might be a good idea to have somebody outside your geographical area. Yeah, they probably Awesome. So where will your cause be available initially? Everywhere. Everywhere I can get the word. Um, So as soon as it is completed and it now it has been started, um, but once it has been completed, I mean, it literally is just a marketing effort to get the word out. And, um, you know, and then if somebody notices it, they can get a bigger word out even better, you know, so that the masses actually know about it. Right, right. Yeah. The marketing is an expensive venture in itself, right? It, it can be. Yeah, it isn't not expensive. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy. <laughs> so what amount of funding is needed to fulfill your cause? Um, between six and 10000 to okay. get it made. What do you envision your cause being able to accomplish in its first year? Um, well, 
I, I mean, I think more than anything, because that's what it would have been for me when I needed it would be peace of mind for a lot of single pet owners. Right. Um, you know, sometimes and most times your pet is your, you know, human technically. And well, it's um, part of your you family when you're not home. Yeah. yeah. The family. Yeah. yeah. For sure. So um, how many downloads? I'm assuming this is going to be like an app, right? Uh, it will be, yeah, it'll be a phone app. Mm-hmm. So how many downloads would you like to see in the first year? Gosh, I would love to see a million the first year. <laughs> um, but look, maybe, maybe 200,000, something like that to start. That'd be awesome. Okay. And then yeah. in three to five years? I don't even know the number, Nancy. Maybe 5 million. I don't know. There you go. It'd yeah. be worldwide, right? It would be everywhere. Yeah. Awesome. So Michelle, why did you choose up to give to fund your cause? Um, I think more the, um, obviously the exposure to the cause, mm-hmm. um, the opportunity that up to give makes us, uh, or not makes us that, that gives us, um, to obviously get the cause out to the world, uh, the platform, and also, um, the way that we can actually receive contributions toward our cause. Um, because in order, like I said, with a six to $10,000 price tag, a lot of people don't get their causes funded, uh, you know, and that's why they don't get them realized sometimes. And so I realized that this is probably the one thing that could help me get it done. What is your favorite part of up to give? Um, definitely the giving. Um, I want so many people to be part of it because I know there's people that need it. Uh, sometimes people think, you know, a cause has to be a specific thing, but up to give can really help anyone that needs uh, funding for various things that they, you know, need. Because it's really a community effort. The community of up to give is what drives the causes. It really is. It really is. And the community is growing and we're all here for the same purpose. And that's to help others and get the word about it. Right. Well, Michelle, it has been a pleasure having you on the show today. I want to thank you for taking the time out of your very busy schedule to be here with me. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we go? I don't think there's anything else, but I appreciate you having me on. You have an amazing cause. We'd be willing to come back on the show in a few months and provide an update on how your cause is doing. I would love to do that. That would be awesome. Awesome. Well, folks, if Michelle has inspired you today and you'd like to either contribute any amount to her cause, or maybe you'd like to start your very own cause. Listen carefully when the music starts so you'll know exactly what to do. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode and were inspired by the content that was presented. Don't forget to click the subscribe button so you'll be notified as soon as new episodes are available. For more information about anything on today's show, head on over to causetalkradio.com. Click on the podcast link where you'll find all the information covered on today's podcast, including links for easy navigation.